In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today we mark the end of the church year. Next week begins the season of Advent. And typically this is a time for reflection on the eschaton, the last things, the return of Jesus in judgment. Frequently we'll read gospel lessons like the parable of the wise and the foolish bridesmaids. The wise ones brought extra oil while they waited for the groom, and the foolish ones did not. Or we'll hear the story of the sheep and the goats, which are separated to the right and left of Jesus when he comes again in glory. Those texts serve as warnings. Be watchful and prepared, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It's an important warning because it's easy for us to become complacent to ignore the signs of the end of the age, to be comfortable in our sins, to love the things of the world and thereby neglect the things of God. On the other hand, when we reflect on the last things, we also run the risk of being fearful. We invent superstitions and fantasies about how things will go on the last day, and we lose sight of the fact that for us, The return of Jesus is what this is all about. It's then that we will receive in full everything that we've been preparing for, everything that we've been glimpsing and anticipating. Just as in the Lord's Supper, when Jesus is here in the flesh, it means for us salvation. When Jesus returns in judgment, it is for us a verdict of innocence. When Jesus returns in judgment, he comes as our gracious king, whose presence is our only hope. And that's where today's gospel lesson is invaluable. It isn't a lesson about sheep and goats or wise and foolish bridesmaids. In fact, at first glance, it hardly seems connected to the usual themes for the end of the church year but it's connected in this way. It's a judgment scene. Pilate and Jesus stand in the praetorium, in Pilate's headquarters, the seat of Roman power in Judea. Pontius Pilate has a lot on his plate. He was responsible for balancing the interests of Rome with the morale of the people. And in particular, he needed to keep an eye on the religious fervor of the Jews. Generally, that meant just sort of letting them be, leaving them to govern themselves and not getting involved with their quarrels. But today was different. Today, he couldn't let them be because his integrity as representative of the emperor was at stake. The balance he maintained was tenuous, and today he had to tread carefully. Today, he was called on to judge a monumental case. And how he decided could swing things wildly one way or the other. If he chose imprudently, he could be discredited as prefect of Judea. If he wasn't careful, he could have a riot on his hands. He could lose every advantage and every bit of power that he had doubtlessly worked so hard to obtain. And so, 
it's a judgment scene. But it's unlike the kind of judgment scene you expect to hear about at the end of the church year. It's not you and I being judged by God. It's Pilate judging Jesus. Now you'll notice in the scene that up to this point, the question of truth isn't even remotely in the picture. And the absence of truth should startle us in any judgment scene. Of all the factors and forces at play in Pilate's world, what is right sits in the shadow behind much more pragmatic issues. Self-preservation, honor, independence, power, those are the values at play in Pilate's world. Truth is at such a disadvantage that Pilate famously asks just after our text, what is truth? What does truth have to do with what's going on here today? What does truth have to do with the petty quarrels of the Jews? What does truth even have to do with justice? What good is truth when all you need to get by in the world is a bigger, stronger army than the next guy? What good is truth when it threatens to overturn everything that everyone holds dear? What good is truth when it would jeopardize the peace of a nation for the sake of one despised and marginal citizen who would hardly be missed? Truth is so useless to Pilate that he even denies it right to its face. Twice he tells the Jews that he can find no guilt in Jesus, and then he hands him over to be crucified anyway. He sacrifices truth for the sake of expediency. And so our text today is a judgment scene, but it's one in which everything is backwards. God is judged by a man. Truth submits to power. And innocence suffers violence in the face of hatred. It's a judgment scene, but it's of a completely different character than the sheep and the goats or the wise and foolish bridesmaids. The character of this judgment scene, however, is crucial because it tells us everything that we need to know about the Jesus who will return in judgment on the last day. Notice how Jesus stands there, passive, submissive, and innocent. He doesn't fight or protest or cower. He tells the truth, and he suffers for it. And in doing so, he bears witness to the fact that his kingdom is not like any kingdom in the world. And as the story unfolds, we find out just what kind of a king Jesus is, and we see acted out the answer to Pilate's question, what is truth? When Pilate hands Jesus over to the Jews and Jesus suffers and dies and rises from the dead, Pilate finds himself to be just a bit player in the unveiling of the truth. And the truth that Jesus bears witness to is this. In the kingdom of God, power is never wielded for its own sake. Self-preservation, honor, and independence are nothing. It's a kingdom that is strong in its weakness and glorious in its suffering. 
It's a kingdom which has a cross for a throne and love for its law. It's a kingdom that doesn't seize anything by force. It's a kingdom that Pilate can't see, but which Pilate ultimately serves. And all of this comes home for us at the end of the church year as we consider what kind of a judge Jesus will be. He's not a judge like Pilate, who decides in his own favor and to his own advantage. He judges based on the truth. And the truth that he judges based on is his suffering and death. And so when he judges us, he judges in our favor. When Jesus returns, we will not see him holding all of our wrongs and our sins against us. We will see him bearing them in himself. When Jesus returns, we will finally receive everything we've been preparing for everything that we've been glimpsing and anticipating. When Jesus returns, it will be just like this Eucharist we're about to celebrate. Because when Jesus is here in the flesh, it means for us salvation. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.